Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. So hello, it's Anita here and welcome to this month's podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Penny James, who some of you in Wales may know as one of the best media publicists on the circuit. She's held press manager roles with organisations such as Welsh National Opera and St David's Hall. And she's created national and in some cases international coverage for people like Wales Millennium Centre, Music Theatre Wales, Black Rat Productions, Artist Monday and many others. So welcome Penny and thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. It's really, really lovely to have you here. Thank you. And, and I guess I should mention that we know each other pretty well, don't we? We do very well, yes. <laughs> because we job shared together as marketing manager at St David's Hall in Cardiff many years ago. Um, how long ago was it now? I think about 18 or 19 years ago now, which is unbelievable. But yes, quite a while ago now. That's really um, scary. But we have since haven't we? So it obviously wasn't all bad yeah, no <laughs> and we were clearly child marketers weren't we um we were yeah. so then after that we went in slightly different directions as freelancers with you focusing on press and media which you've built up such a lot of expertise in those years since but before I go on to asking you about that I'm always really interested to know how people find their passion so how did you end up doing what you do today and why is it so important to you Okay, well, as um, somebody growing up, I was very lucky in that my parents gave me lots of experiences of the arts, um, sort of music and theatre in particular, which helped really um, make me who I am, really, and, and helped mould my uh, interests and passion for, and also um, now my work. And I realised, you know, at a particular point that actually that isn't the case for all people. And there is so much to gain from um, experience of music and art. And so for me, one of the things that really sort of drives me is that trying to sort of break down the barriers for people of experiencing different elements of the arts, also creating different opportunities where people of all ages, um, not just young people, are able to uh, stay involved and participate as well as see and hear things and realise the, the benefits that, that those things bring, really. So I think that that's what drives me on on a daily basis, is, is trying to help those things happen and people realise that the impact that it can make on their lives. Thank you. So moving on to what you do, can you tell me why press and media are still important in this era when everybody is just a little obsessed with social media? Yeah, sure. I think, I mean, social media obviously has its place and it's a, a big part of the mix, you know, how people get their information or find out about things, but it, it's not everything. And I think there are lots of ways um, where press, media and other work um, around what you do is really, really important. So I think though some people just because of budget often rely totally on social media, there is a lot of benefit of using, you know, other platforms really to, to get your messages out there. Yeah, because I mean, in communications, you need to go where people are, don't you? And, and sometimes your story and your point can be made more valid by other people writing about it. it so can. I think yeah. other people endorsing um, messages or talking about 
the impact of your work for you um, says a lot than you just sending out your own messages on social media. And I think that is true, actually. Using other people to advocate your work is, is really important, generally, in, in all the activity that you do. And obviously with journalists, they have a certain sort of status, so people may, may or may not believe them more than, than you. They do. I, mean, I think... I think that's the other thing is in terms of journalists talking about your work and, you know, very much you look at what you've got to say and then who you want to tell it for you. And that might be people within your organisation or um, journalists or, um, you know, if, if you have any performance element to your work, um, reviewers. So it, it's really about trying to get the messages out, but other people do helping do that for you rather than it always coming from you. And that's the other thing. I think often the case with social media is that it can become very sort of almost sales um, type of thing or even if you try and get human interest stories out there it's still coming from you so engaging other people to help tell your story is really important. So what would be your advice for somebody who's not really worked with the media before what would be their first step? Right okay well I'm the way that I always approach it is I really think about what it is that you you want to say be honest about what's interesting about your work and your organization and the impact of what you do and then you think about how can I show this uh, what can I do that will help you know showcase what what we're trying to achieve here this might be some facts and figures about the impact of your work it might be that you're able to create content you know whether that's pictures and images and quotes or and that's a good thing now in this sort of digital age you you don't have to be hiring professional people to take images and get film all the time sometimes it can be you know more informal than that so literally getting content together which helps convey what you're doing and the stories that you have is, is really important but also from a journalist point of view I always try and say think of the so what thing is that if you were trying to explain what your organization does um, try and think of the key things the key impact things that makes you different or if you were stuck in a lift with someone for three minutes and you were trying to get across the key things about what you're trying to achieve and the impact of your work um, that's quite a good way of condensing down really you know what you're trying to get over and it could be that throughout a period there are specific projects or elements of the work that you're doing that really help showcase that so uh, I say to people think of a gardener's diary for the um, a year you know and try and split up your activity throughout the year and what are the key things throughout the year that are going to really get the message across about uh, what you what you do and rather than try and cover everything pick out a few key things that, that will help you do that. I would say a good way of doing it is to try and create a bit of a toolkit of content. So that's, um, as I say, images, messages, quotes, all those things. But also there might be people surrounding a project that you know you can call upon to help do interviews or, um, and that might be, you know, the figurehead of your organisation, but it might also be other people or artists you're working with, children or people in the community who are participating. So it's, it's all that really, try and think about who, who can help do it. But then obviously the, the key thing is who you want to tell this story for you and where you want it to be seen. And quite often it might be, you know, you might have to do a bit of research and, and follow some people or start getting key papers that you want to be in or whether it's radio or television, just try and think, right, well, where do I really want this? And try and follow and see what those people are interested in, what they're covering. And that helps you place your message 
correctly so that when you go to them you're not just saying this is what we do how do you think you might want to cover it you you already know a bit about that journalist or that program or whatever and then um, what's the best way of of you you know working together really um the other thing that that i find is that you know a lot of journalists are, are being cut and so for example if it's your local paper and they you know where they used to have somebody who covered music and the arts but now or even education sometimes now those journalists have been pulled to cover you know a multitude of subjects so what you need to do as much as possible is make life easy for them so those are some really great tips penny and i think there's three key things that you're suggesting that people start with which is one try to create a little bit of a content calendar and i don't know if you do this penny but i put content calendars on google calendar and um, electronic means so that people can sort of share those and but whatever tool you you use what you're saying is have a have a kind of gardener's diary or a content calendar is that right yes that's right i just think it's really useful because once you've done that you can see the key areas of your work and what might you know what might have the most interesting and also i think it's good not to bombard people all the time I think you know picking out a key few projects rather than constantly you know telling people that can often have more impact yeah um, absolutely. so you plan it out really and then so the second tip was then make sure you've got all your ducks in a row all your content there or as much as possible you know have some written information and have some photos and have some people lined up who could be possible yes. interviewees yes um, that's it and then your third point was this, and this is, I think, what sometimes throws people is, well, how on earth do you know who to contact? So what you're saying is sort of start to follow people, maybe on social media or actually in the newspapers, buy the newspapers, listen to the radio programs, etc., to try to get a sense of type of um, stories yes. that they're putting out there. And so start to actually identify key journalists. And then... Exactly that. Yeah, I mean, as a, and the other thing, sometimes if if you can't find, you know, the keepers and even the contact us at the bottom of a website, you know, I've done before now just to try and find out who looks after a particular area or just do your research, really, because I think journalists really appreciate that. They, they're so stuck for time. And if you go to them already knowing about them and what they're interested in, you're able to, you know, mould what you're saying to them in a much better way. But also they realise how it might work for them as a a feature or a piece or an interview. So it's better for everybody, really. Yeah, absolutely. So have you got any advice about what sort of journalists then people should start following and listening to? So obviously it depends on your kind of scale whether you're a national organization or regional organization i mean you have i think it's always good to be realistic with your stories about what you know what's likely to be a local story or what's likely to be a national story or international story and and often it can be you know what you are doing i mean it's you have to be honest with yourself about what's a piece of news or again it's that so what thing you have to apply I often apply that because sometimes people tell me about something I think yes okay but you know there's nothing new there or lots of people do that or you know so you have to think what's unique about what you're doing and what impact are you having so for a local story for example it could be if um, you're working with local people and that will you know definitely have local interest then fine but obviously that might might not have a national level unless you're literally doing something new breaking new ground um, and therefore suddenly it becomes more national news rather than local so it's applying those sort of filters really it's sort of uh, logic really you know how you would normally think about things 
And usually your common sense will tell you. And can you kind of break it down a bit for people in terms of, for example, in newspapers, is there usually an arts or correspondent on a local newspaper? Is that the sort of person they should be looking for? Or should they be approaching the news desk? Um, And for radio, the same, you know, are you looking for particular radio programmes that are to do with the arts? And will there be a kind of central desk that would deal with the arts? Um, well, both really. I mean, with all the cuts and that of journalists, there, there are less arts editors and programmers than there were. And so lots of people, you know, or they may have become what's on rather than arts, or it could be, you know, with education writers. But I would say there's two things here is sometimes you do want to hit the arts pages or, you know, get in terms of arts programs. But also think outside the box because it could be you know there's a very human element to what you're doing that that helps take it more either into news or into general pages that helps you reach a different audience and and that's where you engage people sometimes who don't necessarily think about the arts as a part of their lives and it might have more impact for that person rather than someone who's always looking for the arts pages or programs. So, and you talk differently as well, because obviously if somebody's already engaged in the arts, you're able to talk possibly in a more involved way and in more detail about a project. Whereas obviously if somebody's less involved and they're perhaps looking at general pages, how you, how you might approach that piece would be different. So, and, and it could be just even you know, somebody within the organisation has an unusual hobby or something like that that helps take it on a general page. But then as part of that story, you're able to talk more about that organisation's work. I think when, you know, when you're working with opera, you know, which I do with both Music Theatre Wales and Russian National Opera, you have people who are very engaged and already have a a good knowledge of, of opera. But then it also, because opera is, is storytelling and both companies work with people in the community as well. So there are lots of um, ways that we're, we're trying to reach different people. But you, obviously, if, if you talk to those two audiences very differently, because somebody, somebody who's not engaged, you're trying to talk to them about the fact that it's storytelling and, you know, the impact that it can have on you as, as a drama, and as a, but also how it can touch your life in a different way, you know, either singing with a community choir or going to a performance and just hearing something definitely and certainly with the listeners of this program I think they're probably thinking around education and social issues and young people today or elderly people today and the issues that affect them so you could think really creatively about the journalists who might be interested in that and how you can angle your story in slightly different ways is that right you do and I think I think just sort of document your work as an ongoing process because then what you find is that that content all builds up. And then when you, when you need it to tell your story, at, even at a later date, you, you've got that. And it also helps you to see what might be interesting and not be interesting to people. Because we, we all, we're all helped by images and you know, film and quotes and things like that, rather than us just talking about it. it, it Yes, to gather a real richness of content, just as you would for evaluation, be be gathering that for promotional purposes with all the appropriate permissions, etc, obviously. So I just wanted to ask a little bit more about content. A couple of questions, really. So first of all, to what extent do you prepare the content for the journalist? Um, everybody knows the term press release and I often get asked a lot oh you know will you write a press release for us or how do you write a press release but that written information isn't just about that is it can you tell me a little bit more about the sort of content you prepare yeah sure so I mean for things I, I do write a press release 
but also is that the sort of know, starting I, point would you say it would be it, it is a starting point because it helps as a sort of background document almost for everybody with key pieces of information and also helps sort of focus your own mind in terms of what needs to be in there with the press release can you just outline what that is so i would say um in a press release you're really trying to pull out the key news elements of what you're doing to a certain extent you're summarizing what's going on if it's a project or you know whatever or if the company is doing a particular thing so you're trying to summarize that but you're also trying to get over the key impact points if you like because as i said with the the so what theory you know that if people are looking at that they think oh right okay that's lovely but why would i want to cover it so you're trying to draw those points out usually early on in the release as the sort of key you know your headline is really important because sometimes people only read the headline and if the headline doesn't grab them then they sometimes don't read the rest of it so you've got to really think about your headline and the, the key impact of what you're doing and try and get it in that headline and then you're summarizing what's going to be happening but pulling out the key news points from that and then within that and towards the end it might be if there are details about you know if it's surrounding an event or you know you obviously want to make sure that the details of the event in there so that if somebody's writing a piece completely that they were able to add that piece of information in. I was trying to end, you know, with a sort of a call to action, really, because you're you're trying to say why someone should cover it. And also when you're sending release out, again, so that try and make it easy. So if there's a picture or some piece of um, imagery that helps uh, show what you're trying to explain so that people don't have to, journalists don't have to come back and contact you again and say, can I have a picture? The more, the more content you can send out at that time in one go, the more they are good to go. So again, make it as easy as you possibly can for them. Brilliant. That's really helpful. And so we were talking about generally the kind of content you pull together. So press release being the sort of foundation one and particularly relevant when you've got news. Um, yes. Anything else that people could create to make journalists' jobs easier? Yes, I mean, one of the things we found more and more, really, um, in the industry in the last few years is that often, whereas journalists used to be able to do lots of interviews with people, um, because of the cut on their time and the fact they're usually covering much more across the different industries than they used to be, that quite often I will, for example, create a Q&A interview. I'll, I'll put on the journalist's head and think, what are the key things that people will want to know about particular project and think you know if I knew nothing about this project what would the questions be that I would want to ask and then by doing that and sending them to the person in your organization or the artist or you know whoever it is that you want to be telling your story you you've got a ready-made piece of content that you can supply to a journalist with your press release so that if they want to add in any particular elements themselves they can but it just means that you've taken an element of the work away from them. And it's not, you know, people saying that's lazy journalism, but actually it's just the reality of the, the world we're in now. And some nationals still are in a position where they're able to do interviews, but that, you know, even in, they sometimes say, the more you can give me, the, the it will be. But particularly with sort of regionals, it's more the way that it's going because of the, you know, the number of people who've been cut. So the, the easier you can make things for people, the better, really. 
And we're talking very much about press there, obviously, because that's written stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd prepare for radio or TV? Or do you want to talk a little bit about radio t and TV and the difference? Yeah, so, well, I would say with radio, um, one of the key things that people usually want is, is audio. When Before you approach them, always think, you know, what are they likely to want? They're likely to want maybe one or two people to interview. If there's music involved, they might want a, a short clip or, or a longer clip. Look into that yourself. Is there going to be any rights issues? Can I overcome that? Or, um, you know, what, what's the situation for me to get a piece of music that will help illustrate what we're talking about here? If you can do that in advance rather than waiting for the journalist to ask you for it, then you already know the answer to all the questions about rights, etc. So getting a piece of audio in, in place and knowing that you've got that and getting the file before, again, makes, makes your offer better because you can say, I can you know, offer this person to talk about X, Y, Z, but I also have you know, audio clips that you can use to demonstrate that. Or you could offer, because sometimes, depending on what the programme is, the journalist might go out and about and do some recording, or if it's for news, they would do that. So, you know, you can offer them the chance to come in on, a, on your project or into your organisation or before a performance or a rehearsal or whatever it is to get some different sort of content rather than being in a studio. Yeah. Um, so you think more widely about what would make... Um, you know, what would demonstrate what you're trying to say the best way, really, and, and include that in your offer, in your pitch, so that you're creating opportunities for them to create a better programme, really. And with television, again, it's, you know, you think about the news elements, so depending on what you've decided, whether it's um, magazine-type programme or whether it's news, who, who will tell the story the best, whether that's someone in the organisation. I mean, for example, if you had a project involving older people, I mean, I'm thinking of something like Welsh National Opera have got a dementia choir. So it could be, you know, when we um, launched that, we tried to get, you know, we have people talking about the work, but also people talking about the impact because that choir involves people who have dementia, but also members of their uh, families who are also impacted by the, the positivity of being involved. So having people on the different side of that, being able to talk about the impact is really strong. And so in advance of offering um, those interviews to television, if you know you can approach people and say, you know, would you be happy um, to talk about your experience um, to television? Because obviously you want people who A, feel confident speaking in front of a camera, but also, you know, want uh, happy to talk about their own experience because some people aren't. So you, you do all that research before so that when you go to a journalist you've got a ready-made offer for them and then it's for them to say whether they they want it or not and then you if they don't it's not a personal thing because sometimes people also get offended if somebody doesn't want something um so you just move on but obviously if they do then you try and go through that process as, as smoothly as you possibly can and you keep in touch and you go back and sometimes you you have to keep going back to people because they'll say yes i am interested but at the moment i'm in the middle of xyz or i need to talk to you about this in a few weeks so you just go back to them in a few weeks and just keep going really or it could be they say at the moment i'm full or i have i haven't got a slot but actually i'm really interested in what you're talking about so please keep me up to date with other projects that you're doing so then you go back later with it with something else the good thing with that is that it's much better to be doing that um, because you stay on their radar than not contacting them at all or just sending them a press release. If you have that sort of dialogue going with them, then they're aware of you and what you do. And then what you find is then when you do go back to them 
happen of the time, they're, they're already in tune with what you're talking about and um, more likely to, to cover it really. So it's keeping that ongoing dialogue. And also it's that thing where something might happen within um, the area of um, your work um, in the news and then they think, oh, actually, I've talked to somebody from that organisation and they may have a point of view on that. And so they sometimes then come to you and they think, oh, gosh, I, I know who I can contact to, to get a comment on that. So, yeah, that's, that's another, another thing, good... isn't it? And that whole thing about keeping you, your sort of antennae primed to understand what's going on in the news space and how you yes. can capitalise on that. So it's not always about thinking about what we've got to offer on our content plan. It's about sort of thinking. Um, yes, what's I mean, I always say to people, you know, try and be active there's a certain amount of reactive work within press sometimes it's things that you want to be involved with because it's news based or sometimes you know it's people contacting you so there are sort of two elements of that but yes yeah, so I think keeping a, across the news in your industry is really important just so that you're aware of where where you may able to pass comment or um, just get involved really with something that's going on so creating a really appealing package with rich content for the journalist, making their job easier. I suppose it's a little bit like classic marketing. You kind of put yourself in your journalist's shoes and think, what would they and their audience want? Um, That's it. And then being, not being put off when you get a knockback, keeping in touch with that journalist, but not in a pestery way and with stuff that is really relevant and useful to them. And you mentioned about relationships. And I know that's really key and it is actually what puts a lot of people off starting doing press and PR because they sort of think I don't have the relationships with the journalists but obviously you've got to start somewhere and a lot of people sort of hear about press people and publicists taking journalists out to lunch and all this type of thing so the one question I wanted to ask you about that is, is sort of have you got any tips for developing relationships with journalists? Uh, well I think it is good if you get a good relationship with a journalist and it's sort of um, organic really because what I've found is if the, if you work on one thing um, with a journalist and that goes well and they know they a lot of it is about trust. So if they know they can come to you and they will get a good story and they will get good content, that sort of sets you up to a certain extent in terms of your future with them because they know they can come back to you again. And I think what I try and do is I try and keep people regularly up to date with you know work that I'm doing with different organizations but if there's something where I think actually that it needs a bit more explaining or then I do try and meet up with people a lot of the time I'm aware that people haven't got a lot of time to meet up so if you're able to do things by email or over the phone then that's easier but sometimes it just does help for you to sit down I mean from my point of view because I'm often talking about work of a few different organizations at the same time so it's actually easier for me to do that in, in one go and sit down with somebody and you know have a cup of tea and just talk through them uh, with them and then we're able to look at sort of deadlines and what they might want from that and what I can help with but I think you know it, it, you sort of gauge it really with individuals sometimes people are more keen to meet up and have those conversations whereas other people it might be just pop me an email or can we have a quick chat on the phone and, and then we'll take it forward from there. The other thing that you can do is, you know, invite journalists to, to see something that you're doing or if there's a workshop or something like that, they may not come, but I think the more that you do that, you know, the better because they're aware, even if they haven't been, they're aware that that is happening. So just the fact that you've sent that invitation means that they know that that event or workshop or whatever is, is taking place. So it's better to do that than do nothing at all. Oh, that's really a really good point. And 
in terms of relationships, would what would you advise or do you have any advice about exclusives? Because you hear about people sort of having a particular relationship with a particular journalist and, and sort of offering them a story, but not anybody else. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, that's, that's up to you. I mean, if, you, if your aim is to get a story told as widely as possible, then actually you're limiting yourself by doing that. But if for you, actually getting a particular story in a particular place, you know, really opens a lot of doors for you and really what you want, then an exclusive is perfect. I mean, in some cases... I think probably exclusives apply to nationals slightly more in that quite often a national newspaper, for example, or um, national TV, if they know somebody else has already run with that story, they're less likely to take it. So, but I would say, you know, more locally, unless you really hooked up with one particular media to sort of be the the key one, I would say in most cases, you you don't have to have exclusives. It's, It's more about getting the message across across different types of media this is so fascinating but i think we're coming towards the end of our interview now unfortunately so one thing i did want to ask you before i i ask about some final top tips is a lot of the people that listen to this show will be people in an educational community department of a larger arts organization and it's often this kind of cinderella department where marketing and pr is concerned so they tend not to get a look in or any call on the communications teams because the communications teams might be focused more on kind of audience development etc and um, what would be your advice to them to get more support from their pr team okay well i would say actually the and in a lot of cases, the, the other work, so the, the other than the performances or, um, as you say, audience-based work, is often the, one of the key things that journalists are the most interested in because it makes it different. You're reaching different people. The impact can be different. So I think in terms of, you know, internally trying to sell that to your communications team, the human element of the work that any organisation does is often far more interest so it's trying to get that across to them really and also I think if you can show that you're documenting the process along the way and thinking in terms of how you can help them that also helps that team because quite often I mean I know and and you know this Anita from when we work together that your own time is is sort of dragged in many different directions and you're trying to cover everything and, and do well for everybody um, whereas if you can help by saying, well, look, we'll make sure that we, you know, we've got images that you can use and we've got, we can always be telling you who the people are working on this particular project, you know, that would be good to be interviewed. And these are the key things that are impactful about this project or this particular work that we're doing. And we're going into schools and, and we know, for example, that there will be children there we can get permission to speak to or interview who would be happy to talk about the impact that it's having on them then that makes your communications teams work better and they can also know where they can place it and get success. So I think, again, it's that making things easier um, point that we talked about with journalists. So it sounds like you take exactly the same approach you would with a journalist with your PR team. You just create that package and you sell it to them. That's brilliant. You do. I think the other thing I'd just say is that quite often people talk about the news element of their story but they don't think about the human element enough so I mean I for example I know I've talked to people about a particular project and they'll tell me all about the project and then meeting is sort of almost over and then as I'm going out the room they'll say oh of course the person working you know on it is also really interested in xyz and actually that's the thing that might actually get them the story so it's trying to get people to think 
about the humor elements or, or the personalities involved with their projects as well as just what you're doing. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's where you can get really creative, isn't it? So finally, what would be your three practical tips that people could put into action straight away to get their first piece of media coverage? Okay, well, first thing I would say, think really carefully about what you're trying to say. What are we trying to say about the company here? Or is it a particular project and the impact of that? Really nail that down. And then what do you want to do to get that story heard? So it's who can tell it for you? What, what are the key points you want to get across? And then who can I use or what information do I need in order to do that? So is it people? Is it facts and figures? Will images um, really help there or film? Just really sort of nail down those points, really. That's fantastic. I've got so many questions I could ask you, but we don't have time. And so I'm really sorry, but that is the end of the show. It's been really great to be able to pick your brains about press coverage. I'm sure other listeners uh, have found it really helpful too. So thank you very much. No problem at all. Good to speak to you. (laughs) And if you want to read more about getting coverage through the press or you'd like to contact Penny, as always, there will be links in the show notes. And so thank you very much for listening. that's the end of our show this time thank you for listening to the music for education and well-being podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes if you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how i help music and creative organizations through communications then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch thanks for listening and have a great week